I know. Oh, there okay, it is it working now? Now it's working. Okay. Okay. So let's see. Am I work? Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. If I hold it this closer. This is good. Yeah, you have to be close. Like okay, that. Okay. I'm close. All right. So, um, what should we just say? Should we start by <laughs> <laughs> saying like "Welcome back"? Yeah. Welcome back from the long, I don't know, partial hiatus of the the winter holiday. Yeah, that's it. Was the winter? It holiday. was the winter holiday. So, <laughs> welcome back to a witch and a Buddhist walk into a bar. Uh, we are your hosts <laughs> still, and it's just us this time. Yes, drinking what? What are we drinking? Uh, we're drinking Second Voyage Red Blend 2018. It's quite delicious. Uh, I got it because it's cheap. <laughs> Is that the bottom shelf or is that like the second to bottom shelf? I think it is bottom. Very good. It's really smooth. It's pretty good, though, for a bottom shelfer. (laughs) You know, you can't judge a wine by its price. I've, you know, sometimes the cheapest ones are just the best tasting. That's true. You know, that's true. You never know. Um, It's a a moral for all of us. Exactly. (laughs) If there's one thing we know about, it's morals. That's right. (laughs) Which is why... Today, we decided we're talking about... Today's subject is science and spirituality and how the two don't have to be at odds with one another. No, not in our experience. Right. Um, Because, I mean, we consider ourselves to be very spiritual, spiritually minded people. But we also, I, I for one, and Mickey as well, we hold science in a very high regard, and we're not against it. And I think that's one of my pet peeves that I see a lot. Like, it's kind of a, a misnomer, especially within, like, the atheist community, where they kind of assume that if you have any kind of spiritual inclination whatsoever, it automatically means that you're also anti-science. Because I think there's this sort of projection that, like, all religions... In America, like they don't know about all the religions in America. They just know about the large vocal ones that are anti-science. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of just assume that all religions have the same beliefs and values and literalism when they really don't. <laughs> yeah. And the w- one way I would put it is that the way that religion is defined by re- a religious person is different from the way religion is defined by a non-religious person. Mm-hmm. Or at least, and, you know, there's a difference between a believer and a non-believer and a religious person and a, and a non-religious person. Because as a Buddhist, I could consider myself a non-believer, but I'm still very religious in a, in a way. Yeah, or spiritual or whatever you yeah. want to call it. Like, and the same, like, with on the, on the sort of more... I mean, you know, it's hard to speak for everybody because there's such a huge array of what constitutes paganism in the in the U.S. But um, I've personally never met a pagan or a neo-pagan who was anti-science or anti like, Mm -hmm. you know, like proven fact. Like there's there's not that dichotomy, especially when you're talking about an earth based religious system for the most part. Right. It's like it's not going to alienate itself from the thing that it's venerating. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> In that and way. how does knowing about our origins and knowing about our um our genes and knowing about the way the world works, how how is that a bad thing? And in a way like like uh where can you draw inspiration from that? You know, there's this weird idea that if spirituality isn't being founded in a quote unquote unexplainable supernatural source. It ceases to be spiritual, Mm -hmm. but I found a lot of really beautiful spiritual inspiration from science, personally speaking. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Like there's so much to be found there. That's beautiful and amazing and, and really lends itself to the, it has a magic. Yeah, exactly. But because it's like science, people are like, Oh, well that can't be spiritual or, I also I think that it's a, it has a lot to do with the language we use, too, to, to describe things. Science has a very kind of science jargon way of describing things, which is necessary. And 
it it helps to not get caught up in the term in the terminology. Right. Like I I can understand how some people who uh some people would be like I feel like science says a lot of the same things that other people say that uh, say it from a different kind of insight, but the, it's the words they, they use that are different, and so people are like, oh, they're saying something different. It's hard to explain, but... Yeah. Like, I mean, it's... it's The way the world is was understood by a lot of Eastern traditions is very similar to the way the world is understood by quantum physicists. But it's just described in much more detail, using different right. words. And um, it's really quite weird. <laughs> well, we were talking about this a little earlier, where when you're working in the realm of spirituality, you're very much working in the same realm as like an artist, where everything is symbol. Yeah. Their symbols are used to describe real things. Or, you know, allegory is like super important in spirituality because you're kind of spirituality comes from this gut animal place. That's very, you know, I mean, we intellectualize that a lot, but really I think at its core, it's like they're all, all religions started from that primal animal place where you're experiencing the universe, um, sort of like from a place of, of, I don't need, of an observer and you're, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm trying to say right now. I get it. I let me let me let me let me chime in with uh, like when you say comes from a primal place, we we as a species as Homo sapiens or any human species uh, <laughs> have always been religious from the very beginning. It just wasn't called religious because that was all there was. Yeah, it's like that awe of of being a sentient enough being to find yourself in a web of a thing that you can barely begin to even mm-hmm. understand. Like, that's been the human condition from the beginning. And the very first instance of art, the oldest piece of art, is the uh, lion-headed man right. statue. which probably i mean i don't know for sure we, we can't attribute a meaning to it necessarily because we don't know but a lot of the earliest art is spiritual art right it's it definitely has and it's it's the stuff of dreams being made real essentially totally which is exactly what magic is really when you get right. into it which is like a whole other thing but it's just all to say that like human beings regarding and observing the world, like it's like I said, Matt, like uh, spirituality is like almost like an artistic way where you're approaching it from the level of the subconscious, where you're taking exterior, exterior things and you're internalizing it and you're giving it meaning, just like art. Mm-hmm. Whereas with science, you're kind of trying to get to the root of actually how things work so that you can create an, uh, a, uh, um, what am I trying to say? A result that you can replicate. Mm, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. You're looking for what's reliable so that you can create things that are reliable, basically. Mm. <laughs> and um, which is a very different place from art. Art doesn't have to be consistent. Right. It doesn't have. It can be amorphous, and that's how spirituality really is. Yeah, and I guess that's <clears> what, <throat> we can talk about the the difference in the approaches of science and religion and spirituality of course here's the thing they don't belong in the same they're not doing the same thing like science isn't doing trying to do the same thing that religion or spirituality is trying to do right which is uh, very much a for me it's a, a way of finding a deeper meaning within your own self mm-hmm. and uh, in your life as a whole, mm-hmm. which, I mean, science is trying to find answers, but religion, the way I do it, the way we do it, I mm-hmm. think, it isn't looking for answers. It's trying to become whole yeah. in, your own, with your, in your own being. And I feel like that, like what you just said is perfect, where it's like, Religion is supposed, you're finding like, you know, we're like, we're both fans of Joseph Campbell and it's almost like you're trying to find, um, 
you're trying to to create a story for your life. Like you're trying to give your life context from like a really inner interpersonal mm. level. You know, when you're when you're seeking spirituality, it's usually about some degree of self discovery. But with organized religion as it is, it's almost you know, and, and by organized religion, I mean, you know, again, I'm talking about religions that claim to have the answer. Uh, yeah. That are like, this is it. This is the reality of it, people. They're trying to take the place of science by doing that. By saying that, no, this is the answer. This is the only truth. And it's almost, in my opinion, taking spirituality and pushing it into a realm it was never meant to take. Absolutely. I mean... Anyone, you can't take the Bible, for instance. <laughs> we always pick on the Bible. Or any, okay, well, well I, any, I, I do, I'm brand, picking on the Bible, but let's just say, you know, it's safer than picking on the Quran. That's true. We don't, yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> but. I mean, for obvious any, reasons. It could be any, the Upanishads or the um, Bhagavad Gita. Yeah, any I mean, of them. It's the same thing. The Eddas, the Nordic Eddas. You could do this. Try to do the or same thing with like them. Or even like if you're if you're a real pagan and we can take the Odyssey, the Iliad, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> or even the yep. Epic of Gilgamesh. We can go even further back. And if you try to take those texts that are symbolic and expressing and use some, it as a history book or a science book, you've completely messed up. You, you, you've, you've missed the you've point. Missed the mark completely of why those books exist in the first place, yeah. or those stories exist. But there is a huge, huge amount of people that uh, read the Bible as as an actual account of the creation of the world, of of things that have happened, and and the stories are all very mythological. Yeah, and myth has its place, and it's very important. Um, but it's. I don't know. I feel like myth is an expression of like the human soul. Yeah. It's an expression of what it is to be human on the inside. We take these things within ourselves and we project them out onto the material world and we use them as ways to like explore our inner dimensions, you know? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and I don't know where that disconnect happened where it was like <clears throat> myth had to become... Like, in order to be credible, it had to be literal truth. Like, the idea that a myth isn't valuable just because of it is what it is is, like, a very strange thing. And I, I can't help but feel like it it must have occurred at some point when religion and, the, and specifically I'm thinking about, like, the medieval Catholic Church mm-hmm. was very much... Um, yeah, at odds with the scientific community. It was like, believe this or die. Yeah, back in the day. <laughs> I mean, there's, I mean, and I, you know, scientists were being executed. Yeah, back then. And I, I just wonder why, I mean, what, what inspired that shift, you know? But that is, that isn't to say that, like, there wasn't, I don't know. It's hard to say because human beings trying to control the masses. Yeah, and I I I know that. That definitely existed pre Catholicism, too. Like, they didn't invent that. But I think that's the first really poignant time we can look at in human history where a religion was being used for those types of goals. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, uh, who was it? Socrates? Wasn't... Am I getting... I Okay. Socrates was Plato's... Uh, like mentor. Yeah. He is, he, is Socrates the one that was uh, executed? He had to drink the poison. I think so. I can't. I get them all mixed up. I know. I get them mixed up, too. God, <laughs> like, we're I know terrible at this. We're terrible at this. I know that it was like Plato was, or Socrates was Plato's one, Some teacher. old Greek said something. <laughs> and then Aristotle's way later. <laughs> yeah. Some, well, somebody. And I understand the gist of what they well, what's, what was the point? Taught. What did they say? Uh, well, I'm saying Christianity <laughs> didn't invent executing people for religious reasons because he was called a heretic and this and that. or Oh, yeah. Whatever it was. And I don't know if heretic is the word. I think that's a pretty, that's it's, that's a Christian word. But I don't know. Did, I don't they, know. did they use that word? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't think it's Greek. It might we're, be Greek. We're, we're touching on my, not my area of yeah, expertise right now. Yeah, it's not right mine now. either. As much as I've read, I don't, I'm not retaining it. 
but that's okay. But getting into it, it's as if like it's like they were the original scientists, so the philosophers. Yeah, well, totally. I mean, you know, back before we could test things, you know, there was a lot of, you know, like the the different, you know, trying to explain how the human body was made out of four elements or how. There's a lot know, of guesswork, but it, yeah. was, it all came from a place of kind of common sense. And, and attempting to discover the truth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know. It's hard to say, like, this idea of religion being the source of truth, like the, the truth, I'm not sure that necessarily ancient religions would have thought of it that way. I mean, right. not, not to say that they didn't take their spirituality seriously, but it's sort of like I'm trying to imagine myself in a tribal culture, like an ancient tribal culture. Religion, there's not even a word for religion in it. There's right. just like you wake up and you're, you know, you're born into this thing and the gods are very real. The gods are present. I mean, yeah, but they're, but, and, but, but, but it's not the same as Christianity where, or, or any of the monotheistic religions where it's like, okay, this is the truth. This is the only truth. Anything that's not, this is evil. It was very much like, this is our way. And that's why mm-hmm. there wasn't really religious war before. And there wasn't the idea, a yeah. need to defend it. Like, yeah, it was custom. Like, it was tribal custom. It you was, don't really, you don't really have a uh, Greek apologetics. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. Like you don't really have, um, it wasn't spirituality like apologetics. No. And, <laughs> and, yeah, so so now that we've kind of got that out of the way, because we've been going on that for a second, I was just going to talk about, like, <clears throat> since we've established... Oh, my God, why am I wheezing? Is that you? <laughs> That's me. I was wondering what that was. <laughs> now, now that we've established <laughs> that... <laughs> uh, now now <laughs> I'm doing it. Huh? Now you're doing it? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> that that um, religion and spirituality don't, like, that they're coming at a different place from science at least in our minds, mm-hmm. like what things like it's a different realm of in, knowledge in this day and age, what have you drawn spiritual inspiration from, from science? Like, I'm just curious to know if there's anything, cause I have a few that I've definitely heard that have like really resonated with me in a really awesome way. For me, just learning about, uh, learning about, evolution, evolutionary biology, and the history of humankind and of the fact of not just humans, but uh, knowing that we all came from a common ancestor, that to me is, that to me is very spiritually significant. That's one of mine too, actually. And I was actually in an interview with Richard Dawkins, who's, I actually really like Richard Dawkins. Oh, he yeah, cracks me yeah up. he's one of my favorite. He's Yeah. So if you're listening, Richard, we like you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, just the idea that every living organism on this planet came from one common ancestor, like one little cell that came to life. And just was able to duplicate itself. I feel like there's a, there's a lot of, okay, I know I'm detracting, but there's a lot of like Hindu mythology that says the same basic thing. The one became, becomes many. If you look at, you know, Norse mythology, exact same thing where Mm -hmm. the God, where there's this frost giant named Ymir at the beginning of time that gets ripped into pieces in order to create the, um, the universe basically. And it's sort of almost like this primal memory of this unity of things that got split into many things. We have it. We know it deep, deep down somehow. Yeah, somehow, somehow. We know it. I feel like Carl Jung knew, like caught onto that. Like, oh yeah, well he was, he yeah. was <laughs> kind of a mystic pretending to be he a was psychologist a, so he could have a job. <laughs> that's exactly what he was. Actually, that's literally exactly what Carl Jung was. He I mean, was he was a, a pretending. He really was a psychologist. Who was a psychologist? He just happened but to he, find a niche yeah, for himself. Yeah, exactly. So he could operate that way. <laughs> but um. I don't know. I don't know. He may have been misguided in a, in a bunch of ways, but in, he was right about the collective unconscious. Yeah. The, the archetypes. We all have it. We all have the mm-hmm. same kind of thoughts, and that's why you see the same kind of stuff popping around, because we have the same kind of brain, because well, we're the same. And not only <laughs> that, but like if you look at ancient mythology... And aliens. And aliens. Yeah, and aliens. Yeah, can't forget forget aliens. Never forget them. They obviously, you know, 
Because anyway, that's, and, uh, that's, <laughs> for different, that's a different topic. <laughs> that's Any, for a different podcast. Um, anyway, what I was going to say was, um, what was I going to say? Just... Sorry, I got distracted watching you do that. Okay. So what I was going to say was that all these ancient religions are all earth-based religions. So they're all observing the more or less the same things. Right. While they're building their mythology, you know. But there are weird ones where I'm like, how in the hell did that happen? Like Shango, who's, of course, the Orisha, is a West African deity who is the god of thunder and lightning and fire and drumming and all these things. He has a double-headed axe, and he bears, and his color's red, and he bears this really striking resemblance to Thor. Interesting. Who's the Norse god of thunder and lightning and rain and all these things, and also has, like, a a hammer that looks very much like a double-headed axe, so... I don't know if there's really a connection there. I don't know if that's a coincidence. I don't know. But it's very funny to kind of find these very similar looking gods in places that shouldn't have really had contact with each other. There's a lot of that I've in a lot of myths. There's a lot of similar stories, similar gods, even the way they look and behave. Mm-hmm. And in some, in some cases, that's like ge- geographically makes sense. Like the Norse gods and the Celtic gods, there's a lot of crossover there because right. those two cultures were very similar. And then there's just like the blatant ripoffs, like the Roman gods oh, yeah. and the Greek <laughs> gods. <laughs> but all that can't really be explained. But I would just say that if you're working in Earth-based religion, you're going to see the same drama played out before you as a human being. And you're going to come up with very similar stories that describe mm-hmm. the same natural events that you're all sim- simultaneously experiencing. So I don't know. That's just my thought on it. It's like, yeah. Um, that's a great thought. I liked it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Richard Dawkins going back. What it was Richard? Richard was saying, Oh, what I was going to add to that about, all beings having one origin on this planet, which is a scientific fact, that's fucking beautiful. Yeah. Can I say the F-bomb? Can I drop yeah, an F-bomb course. on the show? I'm dropping it, people. It's beautiful. It's like, to me, that's such a more beautiful idea. Like, it's almost very very uh, tribalistic in a way where you're looking at all the other cre- living entities on this planet as cousins, because we literally are. Yeah, I love that. And instead of seeing them as, you know, like... I've never much liked the the sort of Abrahamic concept that the animals are below us somehow. That that, that they we, were uh, like everything was created for us. Yeah, that we're sort of the main event. Everything else is just here for our convenience. And I've just never jived with that because I felt like it was so. Which is also kind of egocentric. weird because I mean, God didn't even decide to create humans until after creating everything else. <laughs> yeah, unless it was that God's master plan. Unless I don't know. It was you know yeah. I don't but know. I've I've just never enjoyed the idea of that that everything is here for our convenience for us to exploit or use as we desire rather than seeing ourselves as part of the cog in the wheel that is meant to work together, you know? And that is, um, yeah, that's a big, like that's been a part of our cultural unconscious too, is like every, every other part of nature is ours to exploit. Yeah, and, and and if we worked in a uh, in a society where our values were derived from science, not from folklore, I just can't help but wonder if like our if if it was the other way around where our folklore was informed by our science, would we be living in a culture where we viewed every other living thing on this planet as having value? I think so. I think so. Just and- by existing. <laughs> It reminds me of that Family Guy episode where... (laughs) (laughs) Which one? Which one? Where Stewie and and Brian are, like, traveling, like, they are traveling through time or interdimensionally or something, and they end up in a society that, where Christianity never existed, Mm -hmm. and it's this, like, (laughs) hugely advanced scientific (laughs) society. It's like... Oh, it looks like you're in a future, like in the yeah, future, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's actually the same time. It's just in a world where a, where there wasn't where a, an Christianity never existed, so scientific advances were never interrupted. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, you can't. I mean, you can't help but wonder. You know, it's funny. But yeah, if it was like backwards, I wonder how that would be. It, it and you know, going back to evolution and I, yes, uh, Charles Darwin. It's like. I think that I don't can't say for sure, but 
I imagine he was probably afraid to put his idea out there for the, because of the implications that it had, you know? Yeah, I can't help but wonder. I'd be curious to know if he even thought of that, you know? Like, maybe he wasn't even worried about, oh, what are people going to think of this? But evolution is such a weird one because I, I honestly don't believe many people actually understand what it is or what it's... I strongly... I, I am of the mind that the people that that say that evolution is just a theory, I'm doing quotes with my fingers, <laughs> uh, <laughs> or like, you know, the people that oppose it for their own, and it's always a religious reason. Yeah. Um, Defending the Bible, specifically. The, yeah. they. Sorry, those, Bible. Those people don't... Um, they don't know enough about about it. They may know a few things, but they don't know what about evolution enough to criticize it. Because if they did, they would know that it's an f- observable fact. Well, and the thing I feel like people don't understand is a evolution takes a long time to happen. It doesn't happen instantaneously. So well, these, when, pe- these are those people that follow the biblical timeline that that, that, the that there's six only. six thousand yeah. years old. <laughs> Yeah, because that's I, I I'm often curious about the timeline. Is that just because that's like the only timeline that makes sense if the Bible was literally true? Like I, to, to match with like is like um I think that they actually lay out a genealogy from Adam all the way to so they kind of predict based upon the generational the generational times. timeline, yeah. which also does I don't know okay like I have another thing to say about oh. that. <laughs> it's so. I personally feel, and I'm sorry if we have any Jewish listeners that this isn't correct, but this is just my assumption, having read the Bible before, like twice at least, and thought about it a lot, is I don't think that Adam and Eve were necessarily meant to represent the first two human beings, because Yahweh and a lot of um, the stuff you read in the New Testament is specifically about the Jewish people, so... I guess I guess that there's some crossover there because after after uh, they're forced out of the Garden of Eden, it pretty much says, and then they went to go see the other people. Like Cain went to go live with the other people. And yeah, it's like, it's well, like, who the hell were the other people? You know, we didn't ever hear about them. Yeah, that's one of so, the things that often gets overlooked. So I feel like the Old Testament doesn't make any sense unless you look at Yahweh as the literal like like the god of the jewish people like that's the only people that are really being talked to uh, talked about are really being held to these rules and that there are other deities they just don't have anything to do with that nation because that's not their deity i think that there are parts of the old testament that make it very clear that there are other gods at play and that yahweh is just an extraordinarily jealous god and he doesn't want you to worship any other gods, but he very much acknowledges well, he doesn't that want the, the Jewish people gods. to worship other gods. Right. He, doesn't he doesn't care about anybody oh, no, else. Yeah, it's the tribes of Israel. Yeah. No other, yeah, anyone else doesn't matter unless you're going there to kill them and take their land. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In a nutshell. It, yeah. Um, what were we talking about? Uh, <laughs> so how does that relate to science? <laughs> uh, yeah, hmm. that's how. That's how it happens. Um, I think it just, uh, I think it mainly we're just getting at the absurdity of the literal interpretation. Yeah. That's right. And timelines and it doesn't, it doesn't add up. Oh, and how evolution, that's where we're going back to evolution. The thing that I hear the most is like, well, you know, are you going to believe that we came from monkeys? And the answer is yes. Like, but I don't think a lot of people understand that we're not literally saying that humans popped out of chimpanzees one day. We're saying that thousands and thousands of years ago, long beyond the generations ago, the biblical, the biblical timeline, human beings and apes had one common ancestor long freaking time ago. And that one stream went one way and became the monkeys and one stream went the other way and became the humans for whatever reason. Yeah, I mean, lots of reasons. Uh, I read this, speaking of going back to Richard Dawkins, uh, I was reading a book of his, and there was this amazing thing he wrote about if you were to um, imagine a uh, human woman Mm -hmm. today standing on, what is it, some East African shoreline, 
mm-hmm. and East Africa is the motherland. That's where we're all from. Yeah. Um, and then imagine her hold, holding hands with her uh, mother, and then her holding hands with her mother, and so on and so forth. Kind of like a, uh, kind of like the um, hands across America thing. Yeah. Yeah. But in this Thanks case, to us, we're also looking yeah, at you. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> looking at you, Jordan. Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele. <laughs> Imagine that, right? But it's um, holding hands with mother, mother, you know, so on mm-hmm. and so forth, all the way down the matriarchy, and it, the way that it was described was it would. Uh, we're actually so closely related to chimpanzees that we would. Uh, we would actually reach our uh, the common ancestor that we have with chimpanzees before we even make it halfway across the continent. That's like, crazy. That's how closely related we are. And and you know, and then, oh, got yeah. it. That just hit that hit a nerve in me for a second. And the reason why is because I think it's really sad in a way that we look at. Like any that for some reason, it's in our psyche that any relation to ourselves in the animal kingdom, we a lot of people look at in revulsion. They don't want to be compared to animals like animals Mm -hmm. are these disgusting, barbaric creatures that we have no resemblance to. And it just shows you again, like how egocentric most human spirituality is where we're at the top of the pyramid. Everything is below us. We're Mm -hmm. the thing that mattered the most. And I think that that kind of bullshit has gotten us into trouble so much because we just exploit the hell out of everything else and act like we're the only show in town that matters. Oh, yeah. And if our spirituality reflected that we are related to these creatures that we share this planet with, like, Mm -hmm. how different would this world be, you know? And the story gets even, I feel like, even more beautiful because he talks about how, okay, now imagine that common ancestor... And then on the other hand is, so on this hand is the branch that went off to the Mm -hmm. humans. And then on this hand is the branch that went off to the chimpanzees. You could literally like have this. Okay. It's, you can see me. So, you know, I'm drawing a a visual, but for those listening, (laughs) imagine, (laughs) imagine a line of all of our descendants, right? Yeah. Holding hands. And then facing all of the descendants of the chimpanzees holding hands. So starting with the sisters, right, Mm -hmm. they would look exactly the same. Or they would look very similar. Yeah. There'd be hardly any difference. And then their offspring would look Look very similar. And it would take a long time for them to be different. And you wouldn't even notice the difference. Like looking, they'd be looking at their cousin, right? I'm looking at you, I'm looking at you. And they wouldn't look any, they wouldn't look like two different species at all. And then eventually, it'd be so gradual, but then you get a human and a chimpanzee and, and looking at each other. But it's like, we're still cousins. Yeah. We're literally still cousins looking at each other. And then if you and go that. back far enough, we're literally cousins with the freaking plants. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bananas. Yeah. Oh, my God. Freaking Kirk Cameron and the, the banana. This is not the same argument, by I the know way. it's not, but hey, for all of our listeners... <laughs> Please do yourself a favor and just Google Kirk Cameron have a banana and you won't be disappointed because, I mean, you might just be a believer after that. You might. Solid proof. Blow your freaking mind. Yeah. Please. Kendall, if you're listening, I hope you do this. I hope you've seen it and I hope you enjoy it. But uh, anyway. So I want to share a book that I read. Is Is this working? Okay, I'm holding it. Okay, so I wanted to share a book that I read that was called A Universe from Nothing, Why There is Something Rather Than Nothing by Lawrence Krauss. And I hope that I don't butcher the hell out of his book because I'm just going to be naming the highlights that really spoke to me. But, oh God, and it's been a minute since I've read this, but I found it really profoundly amazing that, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not a scientist. I'm going to butcher the hell out. I'll try That's to explain fine. this. But just talking about how literally, like, we can tell that the universe came from nothing because when you take all the antimatter in the universe and all the matter in the universe and you weigh it side by side, it literally equals out to zero. Yeah, and I think Stephen Hawking said that same thing at some point. And it's just, and it's, um, 
you know, you, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking from fairy tradition here as everybody, everybody's heard about fairy now. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but you know, one of, one of the myths in fairy that's inspired by other myths that are, you know, you talk about Gunungagap, like the, the void at the being a time in Norse mythology or chaos in in Greek mythology or like any of it in fairy, we'd say it's the star goddess where it's the black void, the black mother, that's the womb of creation. And everything explodes, every Mm. consciousness explodes out of this black nothingness. And all these myths point to that and and share that. But that's literally what happened. That's such a Buddhist uh, image, Yeah, that I was going to say. I bet you can relate to that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The void. The void. The void, where everything can be created. Anything is possible. And that's literally what we came out of. And there's this distant memory of that. How in the hell is that a thing? How is that possible? Yeah, it's there, though. It's there. And again, it's like, here's spirituality. And, and again, the, the differentiation for me is like whether it be the star goddess, like in the way the fairy tradition tells it, they say that the goddess looked at her mirror in the black, saw her reflection in the black mirror of space, and she desired herself so much that she ripped herself out of the mirror. And then everything in the world kind of exploded into creation. Like I like that. that. And if you look at it, there was another book I was reading. I wish it was called the, um, God, it was one that you read too. And I was telling you about it. Um, there's like an eye on the cover. What the hell is that book called? The inner reaches of outer space. No, that's not <laughs> it. This, the, 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 the something, the user, user. Oh yeah. The user illusion. The user the illusion. User illusion. Yeah, yeah. And that was all about consciousness. And there was this part in there that really like was exactly straight out of the fairy myth where it said that the universe was created when nothing looked at itself in the mirror. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, totally. and I think it's just amazing to think that we, okay. So this is the, when you think about it, it blows your freaking mind that scientifically, the Big Bang happened. We know that there was nothing, and then for whatever reason, just like the Krauss book, these tiny little nanoparticles were just exploding into existence at infinitesimal tiny little fractions. At and we can never, I mean, we can speculate why, but we, can, we can't know why. Why that happened. But at some point, <laughs> they existed just long enough that the Big Bang freaking happened. And... And how big, okay, so how big... <laughs> It's like, because there's nothing to compare it to. So how do you know how big it is? It could have been the size of a pin. A, a yeah, we don't know. They were, these prick. are, we're talking about tiny, like smaller than a pinprick, the tiniest particles you could freaking think of. <laughs> and the Big Bang happened. And everything that exists in our world, on our little tiny planet, which is probably one of billions of planets. Oh, yeah, it definitely is. Everything came out of that one explosion and we are literally the fabric of that explosion regarding itself right now. We are right. nothing looking at our, itself in the mirror. It is. We are. It's freaking <laughs> crazy. We are that. We are nothing looking at itself in the mirror right now. We are the goddess. We are the Big Bang. We, we aren't anything else. The Big Bang happened, spread out, and that's us. And that's that. And we're able to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> so and science crazy. knows that. Why aren't we drawing... Divine inspiration from freaking science. That's fucking crazy. I, are you talking? Are you kidding me? You know who I feel like does a good job of uh, putting sci- that cosmology into a kind of almost spiritual mm-hmm. is Neil deGrasse Tyson. Maybe it's just yeah. his voice. Maybe, it's, maybe it is his voice. I really <laughs> like him too, though. I think it's because he has such a love for what he studies he that it and has it's almost so passionate. like... It almost feels like you're being... It's like, like it's like a sermon. A, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's true. But not, not, and not a passionate... Um, like, like hell and uh, fire and brimstone type sermon... Um, That'd be Richard Dawkins. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But but Neil deGrasse Tyson is like the soft-spoken preacher that you're like, well... He makes you feel like it's all going to be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, totally, though. But really, I just don't feel like religion and science should be enemies. They belong, like... Let me say, say, not religion and science, spirituality and science belong together, in, in a sense. Where you can you can feel that same feeling of divine awe from science that you can from true spirituality, 
Here's that, the thing, too, <clears throat> I want to say, is that I've had this... I think we all have within us that spiritual... the spiritual potential to have a spiritual experience. Mm-hmm. Um, our whole life could be a spiritual experience. Yeah. But um, I think that it it's... I think that religion, and in particular, certain religions, you, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> you know what we're talking about. <laughs> they, it, it's like almost like they hinder that. Like they stop it from being a thing. And I've, I've, I used to be a devout Christian, and I had very, I had a lot of those religious experiences as a Christian, mm-hmm. interpreting them within the scope of my faith. Your paradigm at the right. time. Um, but I've had those experiences since then, and they're no less um, powerful now. But there, it's just that my story is different. I've, I'm directing the... Yeah. The source is different. So, and that's kind of an interesting point, that it's like I'm not denying at all that people who are in the bigger organized religions are having spiritual experiences and that those spiritual experiences strengthen their belief in what they believe. Mm-hmm. But people in every religion experience that. Right. It's not... Yeah, it's otherwise it's they wouldn't they wouldn't be in it. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like there's not this. You know, and the and for me personally, the idea that demons are tricking people in all the other religions besides oh, just the one right mine is like okay, that's like kind of <laughs> contrived. But yeah, I mean, but I'm oh saying <laughs> that there's something in a human being specifically that seeks that experience out and achieves that experience, no matter what the paradigm is, whether it's Neil. Neil deGrasse Tyson. DeGrasse Tyson ex- explaining the universe and having almost a type, spiritual type experience doing so versus somebody worshiping Ganesha in India versus somebody worshiping Jesus in the United States. Like there's some thing within us that we connect to or something maybe without us, within us, who the fuck knows, but everybody attain, can attain that somehow. I've been like brought to tears in church thinking about the Holy Spirit. And I've been brought to tears looking up at the stars, yes. thinking about the universe. And I'm realizing that's the same experience. It is. I'm just I'm just looking at it through a different kind of lens, I guess. I don't know. It's And I feel like just to make it clear, my objection with um, religion trying to silence science isn't an ideological one. It's like when you're taking away human rights because of it. Right. When you're taking away, um, you know, human dignity because of it, because, because this religious doctrine doesn't, doesn't match what religion, what science is telling us. Like that's when it becomes a problem. I, yeah, totally. It's like, well, you know, I don't know. I think, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have so much to say, but I'm not going to, because this is it's just not the time. It's not the time. It's just not the Put time. it on the back burner. I will. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, yeah, but even, you know, like I said, I've had frustrations from the atheistic scientific community, too, where there's almost like because science has been beaten around so much in America specifically recently mm-hmm. by the religious community, like completely trying to reject it. They kind of assume they kind of have a suspicion of any kind of spirituality whatsoever. Like they assume that if you're looking at any of this from a spiritual angle, that you're also trying to diminish fact, you know? Yeah. And, and I, and, yeah. And, and I, and that frustrates me too, where it's like, well, Again, you can't paint every spirituality, every religion with the same brush because there are plenty of religions out there that aren't anti-science. Uh-huh. And I've heard... Uh, I'm hesitant to say this, but I'm going to anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I've literally heard religious people say th- things along the lines of, like, well, science doesn't know everything. All they got was their telescopes. 
stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's like that's a, at all that they point, got are their graphs and their math. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you got to kind of just walk away at that point. Yeah. But, but then, but then, you know, scientists and not all scientists, but you know, I guess the scientific community. I'm generalizing, but they're almost guilty of the same kind of thing when it comes same to kind of religion ex- and spirituality. I know you were just of, saying, yeah. just rewording it, but like, it's yeah, like, that's true though. That same kind of hard nosed, like anything that's spiritual is suspect. Anything right. that's and spiritual not, is, is bullshit, you know? And I understand there, if they're looking at it, if they're looking at that, like, of course that the mindset of the, of the, I don't know. I, I don't want to discriminate against a type of person, but you know the the people that are like the Bible is the truth, yeah, in and out, through and through. And uh, you know what? Yeah, if you're if you don't, <laughs> I know I <laughs> gotta know, do that we stupid know, accent. We know the person. <laughs> we know who you're talking about. But but I feel like the scientists that are weird are what one of the what's the word I'm looking for? Anyway. The ones that don't like religion or spirituality, that's the person they're looking at when they think that way. Yeah. They're like, well, yeah, they're not, that's just ignorance. That's not just, that's not spirituality. That's ignorance. Yeah. Masked as, you know. I feel, and that kind of brings you to an interesting question. Like, God, this is like too much for just one podcast, but like. Maybe we could split it up into a couple episodes. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But spirituality, like, the goal of spirituality is different for everybody. Every every tradition is different. <clears throat> like, in, you know, like Christianity, I guess we're talking about it. The the primary goal is God. that you have to follow these rules to get to heaven. We're never going to get a Christian on this. <laughs> I, call, I know, we keep saying we're going, you know we what? We want to get it, we're like, you know what, we want to get a we Christian hit, on the show, but any anyone who listens to it, and they're they just going to be like, no. They're just going to be like, no, you guys, closest, like. The closest we've gotten is, is Kendall, and I mean, come on, that's a cry from the yeah, kind of the <laughs> kind of what we're talking about all i'm saying god i can't remember what i was saying i'm so sorry it's okay I interrupted but it's but it's, no, you're right like you're right how, god how the hell is this gonna work is just yeah how yeah. the hell is this gonna work anyway the point is that the goal of christianity is completely different from the goal of zen let's just put it that way it's almost polar opposite so and yeah and the goal of i mean if you can even find a goal in paganism I mean, every, you're gonna ask twenty different pagans to get twenty different answers. That's the same. That's the same with Zen, though. Exactly. In fact, it, I mean, if you say there's a goal of Zen, that's a super unZen thing to say. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> tell wait, really briefly. Could you just tell the story about the the cat or the hat hat the hat or? God, there was one one of those... The Cat in the Hat by Dr. Seuss? Ca- no, it's not The Cat in the Hat. God, what was that? Hey, maybe he was a Zen guy. Who knows? Dr. Seuss probably. No, the, the, you told me a funny story that's a Zen, like a parable, and it made no freaking sense, and I loved it. Oh, well, there's the story of... Okay, yeah. So it's from the... Um, <laughs> I think it's retold in both the... the um, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. The Gateless Gate is the English translation. The Hekagon Roku, the and the Mumonkin. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, it's the story of a. Oh my God, I can't. It's very similar to the story of Solomon, who has the lady the says cut the baby in half. You yeah, know? yeah. It's a similar except different, very different, because I almost want to just grab the book and read it. Should okay, just, do it? just grab the book. Okay, just grab the I'm book. Grab I'll, the I'll book. find something to talk about. I'm gonna buy you some time. I have to, because if I try to remember, I'm just gonna ruin everything. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna figure out a way to prolong this. So, the story. What was I trying to say? I was trying to say that the goal of all spiritualities oh, yeah, are different, and ultimately, I feel like the goal underlying that there's not a unif- the only unified goal you can find in any of this is that spirituality is a way for human beings to connect to either something inside themselves or outs- or, or something greater than themselves. Like, there's no other goal. That it's self-exploration, 100%. Yeah. No matter what tradition it is. And then, yeah, that's absolutely true. And, and I think... And science is the exploration of what's outside of us. Spirituality is the exploration of what's inside of us. 
is what I would say. I feel like science, certain scientists want to know what's in there, but they want to know the objective reality yeah, of what's in you there. You know, when I say but inside, yeah. you know what I mean. I mean, like, what's in our psyche, in the our... Depths. The depths of our minds. The depths of our experience. Things that you can't really measure. That's why it makes it so challenging. I'm going to try and find this. <laughs> <laughs> this was a good one. This is, uh, God, this book is is, is amazing. Well, because could, could I feel you... like the more you read it, I should talk about The more about confused it. you get. <laughs> exactly. The more you, here's the thing about Zen. I'm not, this isn't really the same for all Buddhist practices, but when it comes to Zen, uh, the deeper you go, the less you know about anything about, it's like. The more you learn, the less you know. I can't help but feel like that's the entire point. <laughs> Here it is. Okay. So, Nansen Osho saw monks of the Eastern and Western Halls quarreling over a cat. That's it. There is a cat involved. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that. I didn't he just held, imagine it. He held up the cat. They're fighting over a cat. That's really funny. He held up the cat and said, if you can give an answer, you will save the cat. If not, I will kill it. No one could answer, and Nansen cut the cat in two. That evening, Joshu returned, and Nansen told him of the incident. Joshu took off his sandal, placed it on his head, and walked out. <laughs> if you had been there, you would have saved the cat, Nansen remarked. <laughs> Isn't that the greatest story I ever? Story. God, I love it so much. <laughs> if you had been there. Because I think he just needed any answer, and I think that's the point of it. Any answer will do. Yeah. In spiritual, in the spiritual realm. And, and I maybe love that's the, part of the point. Like, there's comments on it, too, like Momin's comment here. He says, tell me, what did Joshu mean when he put the sandal on his head? If you can give a turning word on this, you will see that nonsense decree carried out was carried out with good reason. If not, danger. <laughs> But that's, but that's good. I mean, I don't know. It, maybe it's because... Sometimes of, the answer... I think what they're looking for in Zen, though, more than anything, is just spontaneity. Not, not a contrived or... No. If, it, if anything, if there's any compulsion whatsoever, then it isn't... Um, uh, it's not real, I guess, or sincere. Yeah. Sincerity, it's all about sincerity. If you're not being true to yourself then you're not being true to yourself, to yourself, who you really are. Which and is the big bang, to be, is who we all really yeah, are. Yeah, and to be true to yourself. <laughs> God herself. You have to let go of all contravance. You have to let go of all compulsion and all all feeling of uh, any... It's almost like you have to unlearn everything you've learned and just be as as spontaneous as possible. I think that's what the Zen masters are looking mm -hmm. for like breaking down the ego and to, i think the problem yeah. yeah and i think the problem with in the story of the cat and of course in within me interpreting this i'm going against uh, i hope that there are no zen buddhists listening to this i'm just gonna <laughs> say but um it, it, in my interpretation of the cat story it's it the wrong answer was how much they deliberated and that's why they couldn't give an answer and that's why he killed the cat yeah. They were like, well, they were trying to give a satisfactory answer. But in trying... Just like we were talking about. Yeah. In trying, they were already getting it wrong. And I <laughs> and I feel like... And then this might be the... What is that called again? This is the... Uh, oh, wait. To, it's the Mamonkin. Oh, no. Not that. The, the wine. Game. What's the wine called? Oh, the wine. The second voyage. Yeah. This, this is might, second voyage. This might be the second voyage talking. Yes. This is, I, it is for that for me. But, but I feel like that story completely, like, put the period on our conversation where it's like, in that story, he's like, okay, you guys are arguing about spirituality. Give me an answer. And neither of them could answer. Right. And then in the end, that guy just did his own freaking thing. He's like, this doesn't make any sense, but this is my answer. And he was able to give an answer. So the so the question isn't what's true necessarily in spirituality. The answer is what is your answer? Yeah. What is your answer? Yours. Yeah. And that's why spirituality and science 
like don't I I don't know they and don't it's have, individual it's yeah, individual that, it's not a collective it's right not. right where science is giving us these answers for everybody that this applies to everyone no matter what because it's the freaking rules of the universe it's objective reality right whereas spirituality is, is intended is inten- and it's intended to be that right and to try to force it to be science is ridiculous I have a story okay and it's about a dream so. I lately have been having the most insanely vivid and detailed dreams that mm-hmm. are way out of this world, and they're all very... Anyway, but I was having this dream of flight. I was flying in my dream, and I woke up, and I laid in bed, and I thought about it for I don't know how long, and I realized something that in my dream I was flying. And so for me, I, I was, was flying. Like, it was very real. It was, for me, the subjective ex- experience of flying has happened. But I can't say that I know how to fly as an objective truth about right. reality. Right. Like, I can't say I... I can fly. Right. right. That <laughs> that isn't true about objective reality. Right. But I can say with honesty that I have experienced flying. I have experienced mm. what it's like to fly, and that's a very subjective thing because I have in my dream. I have done that. That's really interesting. So it's something that I know that I've experienced, but it's not something that's true about objective reality right in the world of spirit and it can play by different roles that's how it is right and so this is this is what what i was thinking is it's like we can experience god we can experience that kind of thing but it that's all it is is in a subjective experience and it doesn't have to be but when you go and say because i have had this subjective experience of god that makes God, or my version of God, an objective reality, that's where the mistake is made. Totally. Where it's sort of like, it's not enough for one person to experience it. it you almost need validation by, by forcing other people to experience the same thing. Yeah. And I mean, and I, I think, understand that. But, but it, in an organic sense, <clears throat> people do experience the same thing. I've had flying dreams. Oh, yeah. It's we can talk about it. Yeah. And, we and, can. and, I think that experiences of the divine are the same way where we can experience the same thing in a very similar way. And I think that's in a way how traditions are formed is it by, is. by people having a shared experience. Dreams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, it is a shared experience and it's the spiritual. It's the really, I, I call it the religious experience. A lot of people call it something else. Yeah. But I feel, I find that that is the one that the description that really hits the nail on the head is uh, like, cause when I say, I had, I feel like everyone knows what I'm talking about when I say I had a religious experience. Yeah, or a spiritual experience. You had an experience that touched you and shook you up in a way that maybe you didn't expect or you... And it's ineffable. It's like, you know, you can't describe it or you can't, at least not to someone who hasn't experienced it themselves. That's true. Like we were talking about. It's like trying to describe... I'm I'm actually going to paraphrase something I read and I can't remember who what book I read it out of but um it's like trying to describe sn- skiing to someone who doesn't know what snow is. Yeah. If you try to explain your experience to someone else who's never had one. Right. But I think most of us do at least by the time we're in our 30s. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah maybe. <laughs> it, it seems it seems to be a thing. But I mean, yeah. And maybe it's like the definitions that are restricting everybody from being able to find common ground there. You know, like it's absolutely true. The idea, the the definition of a spiritual experience being a supernatural experience limits it because people, like we said, can have spiritual experiences in the physical world. Like, and as speaking as a, as a probably neurochemistry. Well, but speaking as a (laughs) pagan, the spiritual, the physical world is spiritual. The physical is. world is sacred, and we view our culture sort of views spirituality as something that's beyond this world. This world's below it. 
we're trying to attain something that's outside of it. And I think that on the whole, a pagan would say it's here. We are in it. Right. This is the, this is the reality. This is the spiritual reality. So somebody who could even claim, you know, call themselves an atheist can still have a spiritual experience mm-hmm. just by existing in this world that is sacred. Dude, really quick. Yeah. I'm going to, there's something I need. Where is it? Oh, shoot. I was going to grab a book. I am. Not, I might have to just paraphrase because I don't see the I book. I see a bunch of books here. Is it Haunted by Palahinoic? No, it's definitely not that one. <laughs> yeah, well, I've read that no, one. That like, one's gross. <laughs> I know. Is uh, it A Light in the Attic by Shel Silverstein? <laughs> No, it's it's actually it's down here. It's it's a it's a Joseph Campbell, and I think it's the power of myth, and it's around here somewhere. Well, I'll just paraphrase him. So what I'm gonna we were talking about um, ah, crap. It was so good. It was <laughs> so good. The the world being sacred. The physical yes, world okay. being sacred. Okay. So to paraphrase. Spiritual virtue is is something that's inherent in all things just because they exist. It isn't something that's imposed upon them by a supernatural force. That's all I'm just going to say. <laughs> Wait, say it one more time. I can't even... Okay, it's like everything is already spiritually virtuous just yeah, by virtue just because of it existing. Exi- because it exists. Yeah, yeah. it isn't... Yeah, spirituality isn't something that's imposed upon us by a supernatural force. Yeah, like a god comes down and makes something sacred or right. makes something spiritual. Like like it doesn't require that to happen for it to be already there. Right. I mean, we, in a way, like we were saying, we look around, we see God, just, and it isn't like I'm seeing a representation of God. I'm seeing God in all things. Yeah, exactly. I was talking to Sky about this last night. That's animism. We have to have on the show, by the way. Uh, That will be fun. That'd be real fun. We'll talk to him about it. But yeah, I was talking to him about it, and uh, yeah, he just said, you know, see God in everything. And anyway, and I would agree with that as a as a fairy student. I would agree. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, the, I think the word God is is one that's more the most misused words or misunderstood, not yeah. misused. I, I don't know. No, totally. No, that's, like, a, that's such a good point. Like, when you hear the word God, our culture has dictated that when you're talking about that, you're talking about usually just one or maybe many large supernatural beings that very influence, outside influence our world from the outside. Yes. Very outside <laughs> that of have, our realm of that are existence. so powerful that they can do all these things and intercede or this or that. When in reality, like I, and I, I think I might've said this on a previous show. Like I see God, if you want to talk about a big universal deity as God herself, as we are, we are a cell in that body. We are right. part of it. We are, a living expression of whatever that force is in this world. Like, there's no separation. I'm and glad I, you said whatever that force is, because that makes me think of the force. The force. Which, <laughs> hey, you know what? Which, that's, you know what? That's closer. That's that's pretty close. And you know what? The force doesn't belong to the Jedi. That's that's arrogance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Last Jedi was so good. I still think it was the best Star Wars movie. I don't care what anybody says. Oh, God. <laughs> On that note, you know what I'm thinking? <laughs> I think if any, some people will have listened to the entire episode up until that point, mm-hmm. probably. And then they're like, fuck these people. Yeah. Good night. <laughs> they're, they're like, turning oh, it off. I thought I liked <laughs> Witch and a Buddhist, but yeah. apparently they have horrible judgment. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we should dedicate a whole episode to that. To anyway. The Last Jedi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll never get another. Another <laughs> fan letter ever again. <laughs> it's true. Hmm. It's true. Okay. Well, I think that pretty much sums it up. Do we have any last... Do we have any last well, words? I don't know. Do, Do I have any... any last words? I guess my last word to finish my thought was that... Oh, yeah. Sorry. No, it's okay. I, I, you know, this... 
what was this wine again? Second second voyage. Second voyage. God, it is it is potent. It's fifty three percent. Just Lord. kidding. <laughs> it's it is. That one snuck up on me. That's thirteen and a half. That's standard. No, I don't know. Uh, it's because it's Australian. Oh, uh, South Australia. My heart's breaking more Australia right now. Anyway, <clears throat> I was going to say that I think we have a lot of preconceptions about what religion means, what God means, what all these words mean. And I think that's part of the obstacle in being able to create a spirituality that isn't at odds with science. I love that. And I think that we could... <sighs> I know that we spent a whole episode talking about science and spirituality, but I feel like it might need two. Yeah, maybe with a scientist next time that actually knows what they're talking about. (laughs) I have an idea. Huh. Oh, yes. That's a brilliant idea. Yes. Okay, we've got our guest (laughs) planned. All right, well, he's still to ask him, but he'll say yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so. You've heard us ramble about it. This is... Oh, now I'm excited. We got to do this. Yeah, that's a good, really good idea. We'll do it. We'll record it next week. Okay. All right. So... Now we can wrap it up. to... Did we never came up with the closing? No. I feel like we should just, like... Let's just... This is cheers. 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 Cheers to our subject and matter, and here's to science and spirituality. Here's to science and spirituality. Friends forever. BFFs. BFF. <laughs> we'll see you next time. And, um, you know? And don't forget to put your sandals on your head before you go to sleep. <laughs>